Advent tonight. In fact, I'll be also in chapter number 11 uh, in the last three verses there and in uh, just looking at uh, some promises that God has made us to give us rest and peace and uh, in keeping with some of the preaching I've been doing uh, on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. And so if you want to come back tonight, six o'clock uh, for that. Uh, chapter number 11, all the gospel counts are synoptic. They are things that uh, that uh, are in all of them. Uh, there are some miracles and things that God doesn't put in all of the Gospels together. Uh, but as God inspired His Word, and uh, we believe uh, in what's called verbal plenary inspiration, uh, that God used men uh, and breathed through the Holy Spirit, uh, gave them the words to write. They uh, penned those words down. Uh, in the Word of God, uh, or they became the Word of God, uh, the canon of Scriptures, and God uh, used their personalities in many uh, ways. Uh, we read in the Gospels, uh, uh, Matthew, uh, his take is different than John's, and Luke, being a physician, uh, he sees things differently. And you think of how life shapes the way we see things. The word we use is, uh, today is paradigms, and uh, so our backgrounds uh, our education, uh, what we've been exposed to, uh, oftentimes the environment uh, that we have grown up in, all those things help shape our worldview. Um, if you're saved in a, uh, today, a born-again Christian, uh, being a new creature in Christ reshapes and reforms your worldview. Uh, before I got saved, I had a, a worldly worldview uh, and saw things, uh, science falsely so-called. I believed in uh, evolution. Today I don't. Uh, I believe in, uh, in the creation. Uh, but uh, I got saved. God changed uh, how I view things. And, uh, and even beyond that, um, I don't have just a Christian uh, worldview. Uh, I have a Baptist worldview, uh, all right, because uh, not uh, everything that is Christian uh, is Bible-believing Christianity, and so we use that term loosely uh, to, uh, to define um, religion uh, today. Uh, but you can be, you can be uh, uh, saved and not be very Christian, uh, Christ-like. Uh, you can be a believer and not be a disciple. Um, and uh, not be a follower, not be in obedience to Christ. And uh, so Jesus in the Gospels uh, had been teaching his disciples and getting them prepared and then sent them off uh, on, on a mission. And last week we talked about that uh, as they came back after the death of John the Baptist and gave report of that uh, and all the struggles and they wanted rest. And <clears throat> Jesus said, we're going to go to a desert place, uh, which was near Bethsaida. Uh, and uh, they had the feeding of the 5,000 that were there. So this is a, a complimentary account. This is Matthew's account as uh, he sends them out uh, and references John the Baptist. And I want to mention this uh, because one of the uh, themes that I've been preaching on on Wednesday night has been uh, belief and unbelief and the balance that is there or how we, uh, we believe the Word of God but present in us is unbelief. Uh, and the Bible says even in here that there's no greater man than John the Baptist. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, and remember, uh, it, when Jesus began his earthly ministry, uh, John was the one who baptized Jesus. And at that baptism, uh, we have a picture where the Holy Spirit of God descended as a dove. Uh, and, uh, and they heard a voice, the voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so everyone who was uh, in attendance for Jesus' baptism saw something pretty and heard things pretty miraculously. Uh, John the Baptist obviously uh, was there because he was the one baptizing. And so that was an event that was probably a pretty life-changing event. 
in John's ministry uh, as John the Baptist was to prepare the way of the Lord. Uh, he was a forerunner of Jesus, and, uh, and there's much said here. But I want you to notice something in the beginning part of chapter number 11. It's not necessarily part of my message, but in connection to all of that quickly. It says, And it came to pass, verse 1, when Jesus made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and preach in their cities. We know that uh, they went off on mission. They were healing people and uh, casting out demons and other things. And, uh, and uh, they found out that John the Baptist was killed uh, in the other gospel accounts and uh, went and got his body and had that and then met Jesus in Capernaum. Uh, which we spoke about. So they went their way. Jesus went uh, into Capernaum, uh, Chorazin, Bethsaida, uh, and cursed them. Uh, and, uh, but as they went out, uh, John in prison at this point, uh, verse 2, Now when John heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? All right, now think about that for a second. John the Baptist, the greatest, uh, greatest man that ever walked the earth beside Jesus Christ, at Jesus' own uh, description, um, present uh, at his baptism, uh, hearing the voice of God. Uh, and so the Trinity there, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, baptizing Jesus uh, and saw what he saw. Uh, yet in a moment of questioning or doubt, um, sends word to ask, are you him? Are you the Messiah, or do we look for another? And uh, so, time of doubt for him. <clears throat> and Jesus answered and said to him, Go and show John again these things which you do hear uh, and see, and uh, let him know that the blind receive sight and the lame walk, uh, and the lepers are cleansed and raised from the dead, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended uh, in me. And so Jesus departed. Uh, and, uh, and then was asking questions about, uh, you know, you, what did you expect from John the Baptist? And, uh, and, uh, and if you're a dispensationalist, which I am, I'm not a hyper-dispensationalist, but uh, there's clues in here. Like, when did the New Testament start? Uh, and, uh, and the New Testament doesn't start uh, until the death of a testator. Uh, and, uh, but when were the law and prophets? When, when, was that, when did that end? And the answer to that is in verse 13, for all the prophets uh, and the law prophesied until John. And, uh, and so uh, there's an answer there to some of uh, the dispensational uh, questions you might have. And if you receive it, this is Elias, which was uh, for to come. And then Jesus dealt with, um, just briefly from 16, verse 16 down through verse 19, um, the generation uh, that he was dealing with and uh, in uh, the struggles that, uh, that uh, he saw uh, in them. Uh, and, uh, and then we get into our text uh, that we read a little bit ago uh, in verse number 20. Uh, so as they went up their way, the disciples, after having been taught and trained uh, in what to do, what to expect, uh, Jesus had many things uh, to say to them. And remember, not everything uh, that he said to them is in the Bible. Uh, the, in fact, the Word of God says the world couldn't contain the books uh, of all the things that Jesus did and said uh, while he uh, walked this earth for uh, the short time that he did. Uh, and then especially uh, in the ministry time uh, that he spent uh, before uh, his crucifixion. Uh, but um, several towns are mentioned here, uh, the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and, uh, and it says in verse 20, Then began he to upbraid, uh, upbraid the cities, uh, wherein most of his mighty works uh, were done, because they repented not. That word upbraid uh, means to revile. 
means to chide. It was to chide them uh, with anger. He was censuring uh, them for uh, their lack of repentance uh, and, uh, and lays out a case. And, and he says, whoa, it was a proclamation. Uh, it, it was a, um, a judgment uh, that Jesus laid upon these cities. Uh, and again, we were able to be there and to see uh, the ruins of Bethsaida and Chorazin uh, in Capernaum. Uh, it's still just a small area there. There's a church that was built, and they've, uh, un, you know, they've um, exposed ruins there, and they built uh, a church over the top of uh, Peter's uh, uh, mother-in-law's house. Uh, it's underneath there. You can just kind of go and see. And, uh, and religion kind of ruins everything uh, and, uh, in many ways, but, uh, but, um, but there's nothing really there. In fact, uh, we were coming back around from seeing some of it, and we went. Uh, I don't know what it was before. It's now it's a big fancy restaurant, TBN, uh, Trinity Broadcasting Network. They a lot of the tours and things are there. They run it, whatever. And so there's a place called David's Harp, and it's very unassuming. You can't really see it, but it's a restaurant. You kind of go down, and it's this huge, big thing. And but that was like the only thing out there really to eat, uh, and uh, it, uh, other than going to Gennesaret, so Capernaum, uh, Bethsaida. Uh, and uh, Chorazin uh, cursed, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and really nothing, even to this day, uh, is in those areas except for uh, the, uh, the places that they've uncovered and have the touristy uh, things that are there. People don't live there. There's a, I guess there's a, upside of Capernaum, uh, there's a, a, a kibbutz uh, that is there that would probably, I don't know, if you look at their address, uh, maybe it has a Capernaum, you know, uh, Capernaum address, I don't know. Uh, but uh, but uh, there really isn't a whole lot going on there. Uh, but why is it that Jesus cursed uh, those cities? Well, Capernaum, and we'll get to there in a second, Capernaum was when Jesus uh, was in Nazareth, uh, and was preaching in the synagogue, and they, and they basically cast him out. Uh, it says they were going to throw him off uh, of, uh, uh, of the mountain and, uh, and all of that. When he left there, um, Capernaum became Jesus' um, station, his home, uh, his home court. That's where uh, much of what uh, he did happened in that area. And in fact, uh, five out of the ten miracles that we read about uh, in Matthew chapter 8, uh, and nine um, took place in the city of Capernaum, uh, and uh, and that's where, of course, Peter was. Philip, um, uh, Matthew was probably collecting taxes in Capernaum. Uh, so several of the disciples that were lived there, that were fishermen, uh, were called of Jesus from the city of Capernaum. So they go one direction or other directions. Jesus goes back uh, to these cities uh, and upbraids them, uh, and and curses them, reviles them. Uh, and, uh, and tells them uh, that, uh, that they are judged. And from that, uh, historically, and when you're in the area, there were earthquakes and other kinds of things that destroyed these cities and uh, all the commerce, everything, uh, and, uh, and as Jesus cursed them. And he says in verse 21, Woe unto them, uh, woe unto thee, Chorazin, uh, and uh, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, that it would repent, repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Now, if you uh, look at a map, uh, the northern part of Israel, the northeastern side of that, are the cities of Tyre and Sidon. In uh, Mark chapter number 7 uh, tells us or gives us the account of the Seraphonician woman. 
um, also of some miracles uh, uh, of uh, Jesus healing um, uh, the blind and, and, uh, and the lame uh, there. So Jesus went, and, and when we read the New Testament in the Gospels, we see that Jesus went out of his way, in fact, uh, to meet the woman at the well. He must needs go through uh, Samaria. And, and part of, um, you know, the question is like, why did he go to Tyre and Sidon? theologians and, you know, uh, trying to figure out why he did that. It was a very um, heathen, you know, Gentile uh, place, very pagan, um, filled with all kinds of debauchery and gross wickedness and immorality. Uh, and, uh, but uh, we have an obvious takeaway that Jesus, he came not to, uh, he came to, to, to uh, you know, to forgive. And uh, uh, he's a, he is the great physician, was mentioned uh, earlier in prayer. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't come for the whole, but so for the, those who sick and needed him. And uh, so he would sup with sinners and, and reach out to, uh, to people and go out of their way. And he, uh, and he broke down boundaries and uh, all the ways that we would apply that uh, today. Uh, but, uh, but several works were done by Jesus in Tyre and Sidon. So what Jesus said was, uh, that it will be more tolerable uh, for you uh, in the day of judgment, verse 22. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. So here we have this wicked place um, filled with sin. And, and you can look at the history of Tyre and Sidon, uh, what the Old Testament said about that. In fact, uh, what it even prophesied that what may happen in the future as God uh, restores uh, those places. Uh, but he said, if they would have repented uh, and, uh, and sackcloth and ashes, uh, and uh, it would have been better. So he said, uh, because of the mighty works, let's continue, verse number 13, and thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven. Now I was thinking about that phrase, uh, which art exalted uh, under, uh, or excuse me, unto heaven. Um, you know, that was a special place. That's where, again, Jesus did a lot of things, where, where he lived uh, and, uh, and was exalted because it's like you think of where he was born in the house of bread in Bethlehem and, uh, and how special that is. But here's where Jesus was and lived. Uh, and of all the places on the earth uh, that he could have done all the things that he, he did it, he did it there. He says, you're exalted, but you shall be uh, brought down to hell for if... The mighty works which have been done in thee would have been done in Sodom. It would have remained unto this day. Now, we can't really get into it for sake of time, uh, but uh, uh, most everybody here understands what the sin of Sodom uh, and Gomorrah uh, was. And by the way, it's not the sin of, hospi- uh, of uh, inhospitality. Uh, and, uh, but uh, God is very, uh, very clear and very um, concise, uh, precise uh, about what uh, that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was. But, but when Jesus says to Capernaum that it will be more tolerable in the day of judgment uh, than, uh, that for Sodom than it would be for you, uh, that's a pretty telling thing. And we can, we can discuss and talk about all those things, but Capernaum, uh, it's featured in the New, you know, in the New Testament uh, and it's never really mentioned in the Old Testament. Uh, and again, many things happen there. But Jesus, Jesus um, referred to Capernaum often. Uh, his miracles, you think of uh, he, um, in Capernaum is where Jesus healed the centurion's son. 
Uh, it's uh, the nobleman's son uh, that he healed, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, as I've already referenced, the, the paralytic uh, in Matthew chapter number 9, uh, in Capernaum's where Jesus cast out uh, the unclean spirit, uh, in Capernaum's where he raised uh, Jairus' daughter to life, he healed the woman with the, uh, the issue of blood. Uh, and uh, so uh, Capernaum uh, got a lot of, got a lot of uh, um, mention uh, because of all that uh, God had done there. And so the city of Capernaum, as a, remember, all scripture is given um, for us, not written to us. Uh, and we know that from this passage of scripture, we can draw from it doctrine and instruction, things that are going to help us with our life. And so it's a story about cities uh, that have been you know, destroyed um, thousands of years ago. Uh, but there's an application to be made for us in 2023. Uh, and, uh, and that's what I want to focus on uh, for the last couple of minutes uh, in our service today. Uh, but um, these cities were blessed, number one, with the presence of Jesus. Uh, he, you know, as I mentioned, all the miracles that were done there in most of it. And, and one of the uh, takeaways that we'd had that I've already shared, uh, but it just it seemed like a small area. Um, that uh, of just, you know, just a few miles, six miles, seven miles on that, on that shore uh, where m- most of what we read in the Gospels took place. And then, of course, go up to Nazareth and Nain and just different places or even traveling up to Tyre and Sidon. Uh, there are other places that Jesus went. Uh, but this is a place where, uh, where the presence of God was. Uh, it's where he lived and where he ministered. And we have miracles that are recorded in the word of God. Uh, but, but there were probably a whole lot more that took place uh, than we, that we even know. Uh, and, uh, and so these cities were blessed uh, and exalted, Capernaum in particular, uh, above other cities because that's where Jesus dwelt. Now there's an obvious you know, tie-in um, to us as, as New Testament Christians. Uh, because we are uh, the dwelling place uh, of God. Our bodies, the temple, the Bible says, of the, of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're here at church, uh, and we know where two or three are gathered uh, in His name, that He is there uh, in the midst. We know that God uh, is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Uh, and, uh, and so God is meeting with us. Uh, he's in our church, but He's in the parking lot. Uh, he's in your car, uh, you know, he's in uh, the church across town. Uh, God is everywhere all at once. The devil isn't that way, by the way. Um, and we, we give him way too much credit uh, for uh, the things that we think he's doing in our life. When most of the time it's just us uh, and us blowing it and, you know, making mistakes and being dumb. Uh, but, uh, but God is everywhere. He's not everything. Uh, we don't believe in, you know, uh, you know, he creates matter, but he is not the matter. He's not this uh, pulpit, uh, but he is present. Is everybody with me? Uh, and, uh, but, but we are blessed way more. Like at this point uh, in, in, in history, uh, the comforter had not been given. All right. When the disciples went around preaching, they were preaching the kingdom of of God is at hand. Uh, they're preaching repentance uh, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, when Jesus um, died on Calvary and shed his blood, as I referenced from the song service this morning, um, that's when the New Testament, you can't have a New Testament without the death of a testator. The New Testament of, in, in his blood, Jesus shed his blood. Uh, and, uh, and, and after that, was, that event, uh, the gospel, the resurrection, uh, is uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So as Paul 
Uh, and uh, and in that, and that, at that time, even the disciples that followed Peter uh, and all those that went out to preach, they weren't preaching the kingdom of, uh, of, of God is at hand. They're preaching uh, repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that he was, he, that he, his blood was shed, uh, he was buried, uh, and rose again the third day according to, to uh, the scriptures. And so there's a lot to be said about uh, the messaging. And then even... Uh, it, it, you know, we talk about prophecy and end times and uh, tribulation periods and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's going to be another time where, uh, where two witnesses uh, and 144,000 pure Jews are not Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, and uh, I always like asking, like, you know, the ladies at the door, I said, are those your kids out in the car? Um, yeah. Uh, so you're married and those are your children. Yeah. I said, so obviously you're not a pure Jew. <laughs> uh, you're not going to be part of the 144,000. And it's hard to burst your bubble. Uh, and, uh, but 144,000 preaching uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, and uh, so dispensationalism, all those things, uh, it may be another message uh, for another time. Uh, but his presence in these cities, the things that he did. So, and, and, he, and they were, Capernaum was a place where he preached. The synagogue, uh, in particular there in Capernaum, uh, that was built at that time uh, by uh, someone who uh, was saved and was a Gentile that got saved, um, Jesus would preach. He preached in the synagogue in Nazareth. He preached in all those synagogues that are around there. So it's amazing to, uh, to go to Bethsaida and, uh, and all, and where they've unearthed these places and to know this is where Jesus taught people. So his presence was there, his preaching was there, and his power uh, was in these cities, all of them, uh, and, uh, and yet, uh, the Bible says uh, they didn't uh, repent. So, it's more tolerable. Now, let me stop there for just a second. I believe um, from the book of Revelation, um, this account here uh, accounts also uh, in, uh, in Luke chapter number 12, uh, that there are uh, degrees uh, of, uh, of torment in hell. Um, you know, we would think... Uh, you know, people like Adolf Hitler, um, you know, like I think hell burns a little hotter for people like Adolf Hitler. All right. Now, um, you say, where's all the Bible for that? Well, in the passage that we read, um, Jesus himself says there's toler- it's more tolerable. Hell, be more t- hell is going to be more tolerable for the sinners of Sodom and Gomorrah. Hell is going to be more tolerable uh, for the sinners of Tyre and Sidon, uh, than it is for uh, these, the people in these cities uh, where Jesus walked uh, and he preached uh, and he talked uh, and, uh, and healed people. He says it's going to be more tolerable for them. Now we know uh, even uh, the dipping a finger uh, in water on the tongue of the man uh, in Luke chapter number 16 brought relief for him. Now, so uh, we know in heaven, some people receive rewards that other people don't receive. There are crowns that some people receive uh, that other people don't receive. Uh, there are, um, uh, God, God rewards faithful servants uh, as they live for Him. The Bible is clear. But the Bible says, in one way, hell will be more tolerable. And when we think about those types of sins, the sin of Sodom, in fact, when we were in, um, uh, in Israel uh, and we were at Mas- um, uh, Masada, uh, and uh, anyways, we're looking down uh, and you have all these. Uh, we, we went and, and actually plucked from the sand um, uh, pieces of, of brimstone. 
And uh, so I've got a bag full uh, of, of brimstone. We, I lit some up in the church kitchen uh, a few weeks ago uh, and, uh, and started on fire. And, and it just burns and burns hot and it burns for a long different time. Uh, and because right next to Masada, just up the, up the road just a little bit on the way uh, towards uh, the Dead Sea stops uh, is Mount Sodom. And so that whole area, and, and I also believe the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea as a result of this event that we read about uh, in, uh, in the book of Genesis uh, where God rained down fire and brimstone and destroyed those cities. And, um, and there's probably, when you think of <clears throat> the sins that we preach on uh, in Christianity um, and, and preach it against all the lifestyle stuff and everything else, um, and we think of what's, abom- what's an abomination to the Lord uh, and all of that. Um, uh, the, the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah are right up there uh, in what we preach against. But do you realize that Jesus is saying it's, it's going to be more tolerable for them and for those cities uh, than for these three cities that, that he lived in and ministered in and doing that? But why is that? It's because with everything that they saw, and everything that they experience, they still refuse to repent. What the Bible is teaching in this account is that the most wicked, heinous, abominable sin that there is, is the sin of unbelief. In fact, the Word of God teaches it, um, or calls, there's a phrase that's called the unpardonable sin. Here's what I believe. I believe that there's no sin that you can commit on this earth um, that Jesus won't forgive you for even the sins of Sodom. Uh, and, uh, and so people um, who are Sodomites can get saved just like anybody else uh, unless God has um, tried to save them and tried to save them and tried to save them and they refuse. And the Bible speaks about people being given over to reprobation uh, and, and all the things there. And uh, a person can't get saved anytime they want to. The Holy Spirit of God has got to draw them and, uh, and bring conviction and so we, 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 just, we just know uh, what the Word of God says all about that. But unbelief is the, is the unpardonable sin. It's, the, it's dying. If you die without Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's no, there's no coming back from that. You can only receive forgiveness uh, in salvation through Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. There's, there's no, once, once you die, and, and that's by the way, um, from a theological, prophetical standpoint, uh, we believe, I teach and preach from the Word of God, a pre-tribulation rapture of the saints. And so we believe that uh, the trump will sound and Jesus appears in the cloud. We're caught up together in the air. It's not the second coming because He doesn't touch down. Uh, the rapture takes place. That's a word. It's not in the Bible. The, the calling away uh, is the term that we use to describe that event. And, uh, and calls us out. The dead in Christ are raised first, and they which are alive and remain were caught up together in the air. Uh, and, uh, and that begins the seven-year tribulation period. Um, and after the, when the rapture takes place, um, you, people aren't saved uh, by grace through faith. Um, they, they, are, they are saved... Uh, the, the kingdom of God is preached again. The kingdom of God is at hand. You have the witnesses who are doing that uh, and, and part of that. Uh, and people can't, they're not supposed to take the mark of the beast. They're supposed to endure through those seven years. I'm thankful um, for the scriptures that say and teach that uh, as believers, we won't be here for the tribulation period. 
And so I'm afraid for people. If you, if, you, if you don't think that you're getting raptured up before the tribulation period, um, you know, 99% of people who, you know, go to church right now uh, will be taking that mark, like, first hour in. Can't get groceries. Can't get gas. You know, it's just... Um, uh, when, when, when that type, we, we know uh, from having lived uh, through a pandemic, uh, there's just, uh, um, it doesn't take too much for Christians to get derailed. And uh, so when the rapture takes place, um, uh, we're caught up together in the air, uh, and, uh, and there's other events halfway through that, uh, the Antichrist is revealed and everything. Seven years after that, Jesus returns. Uh, and then we have uh, the thousand-year reign, the millennial reign of Christ, and at the end of that final rebellion. Uh, and the Bible says that God um, creates a new heaven and a new earth, and this place is burned up, uh, and, uh, and that's the only global warming I believe in. Uh, and uh, says it says it burns this place up and, uh, and then uh, and creates a new one. So where are you getting at with all that? Um, you die without Christ. That's the unpardonable sin. Um, unbelief, willing unbelief. And, and, and why I believe that there are um, more or there's degrees uh, of torment and uh, from this phraseology is there. It's, and, and the only way that I can think of it is that the, the more light that we're exposed to um, and we refuse to repent, the less tolerable hell will be for us. He says, all the stuff that I did in your cities and you still refuse to repent, Tyre and Sidon, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, and I mentioned Sodom, but we know both of those together. It's going to be more tolerable for them. Hell will be better for them than it will be for you. Now think about this for just a moment, and I'm going to be done. Um, The people of... Capernaum in Chorazin and Bethsaida, had, they had God um, incarnate walking among them, all right, and, and miracles. Somebody's blind, you know, uh, now they can see, and um, lame were walking, the, the you know, deaf, uh, were, they got their hearing back, um, all the miracles that Jesus did that are recorded in the Word of God, and he revealed himself. Jesus is the light of the world. So he revealed himself in very direct, tangible ways in these cities, and people saw them. And, uh, and uh, at that time, you know, maybe thousands and thousands of people, I'm not talking about millions and millions of people in, in those areas, uh, but again, even like last week, they wanted to go to a desert place, uh, and the, the crowds of people just walked to shoreline and, and overwent them. Um, he did a lot of great things. But you and I have been the recipients of way more light than anybody who lived in the Bible times where Jesus walked. Say, how is that so? You've got this book. Um, Most of what we read in the New Testament happened uh, and was penned after uh, the Gospels, uh, what the events of the Gospel take place. You and I, Sit under preaching. Uh, we we have um, history, the complete word of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Remember, there are some say we don't even. Uh, they ask whose disciples are you, and uh, have you received the Holy Spirit? Like we don't even. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Paraphrasing. 
things were so much different then than they are now. You say, what are you getting at? I'm saying it's the unbelief that we have present in us today, the willing unbelief that here's all the light that God has expressed and given to us through His Word, general revelation, special revelation, His Word. Um, it, it, hell will be more tolerable for the people of Capernaum uh, and Bethsaida and Chorazin than it will be for somebody who dies with willing unbelief in 2023. Because we, are, we, are, we know so much, you, you, you have so much more knowledge about God and who He is than the 12 disciples who walked with God. Um, because we have the Word of God. And, uh, and so here's, here's, here's the point that I want to get across today. If you're here today and you're not saved, um, I just don't know what else to tell you. Jesus paid for our sin debt. And um, he died on Calvary, shed his blood, uh, and um, suffered such a great deal. And we know that Jesus uh, is God in the flesh, and he came, and, and we have all that revealed to us. Uh, through God's Word. And by the way, if you're here and you're unsaved, and, and this isn't the first time you've been here, you've sat here and you've heard me preach the gospel time and time again, time and time again, uh, and, uh, and yet this, and still uh, in unbelief, reject Jesus Christ. The Bible says that hell uh, will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah. So we can, so there's only one takeaway that I can have from this passage of scripture in regards to what's the worst sin uh, that there is. It's the sin of unbelief. And I'm not talking about doubt like what John the Baptist had or uh, those who say, uh, I, I believe, help thou my unbelief. I'm not talking about that. It's willfully not believing uh, that Jesus Christ came. It's hearing, knowing. It's like King Agrippa, almost persuadest thou me to be a Christian. It's like, I know that's the truth. I know that's historically fact. I know the Bible uh, is true and uh, in, in how it's been verified and everything from uh, it's, it's uh, how it was written and how it's been preserved to the historical accounts and everything else. Uh, I, I, I know that and I know it, uh, but uh, I'm just going to say no to Jesus. Another time. But here's the thing. We have, we have no promise of tomorrow. Um, you don't know if you're going to wake up tomorrow. And, um, and the only sin that you can't be forgiven of is to die without Christ. Because you can't, you're not going to, you know, to be absent from this body and to be present with the Lord, to stand before Him. Uh, and like, well, you've been exposed to so much. It's in that moment. That, that I feel like God is going to show you, in a, you know, that whole expression like your whole life flashing before your eyes or whatever. I think in that moment you stand before God lost, that you're going to remember every sermon you ever heard about the gospel. You're going to remember every, the face and name of every person that knocked on your door uh, with a gospel track uh, and told you that Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's in that moment uh, that you're going to realize that hell's going to burn a whole lot hotter than it will for sodomites, for the light that we've been given in Jesus Christ, in the knowledge that we have. So this whole story there and having been in those cities and walking there and uh, reading, I just think of all the people <clears throat> that I know personally that don't know Jesus.
and uh, who I've witnessed to, people here that I preach to all the time, uh, who will raise their hand and acknowledge I'm not saved, and then leave here unsaved. And then get under conviction another time and say, no, nope, you know, that's me. I don't know if I'm going to heaven or not. And then, then leave again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's probably one of the, the worst gambles in, in treading a line that, that it's like, it's crazy. But how many times has God got a knock on your heart's door and you tell him no before he just decides and just says, okay? The Bible talks about that in Proverbs. It says that you'll call on me and I'm not going to answer. Um, you can't get saved anytime you want. Today is the day of salvation. And uh, so if the Holy Spirit of God is nudging your heart and telling you, you need Jesus, the thing you should do is to, is to trust Him and ask Him to save you. Repent, forgive. You've been given so much light. And you've, been give, and you've probably, uh, in your lifetime, you know, right now, it's just everything from seeing somebody holding up a John 3.16 sign at a baseball game to faith in Christianity uh, and the truth of God's word. You're in an independent Baptist church right now that's preaching uh, from the word of God and hearing the gospel and to say no, no, no. More tolerable. That's what the word of God says. And so hell's not a place anybody want, should want to go and people joke and say, well, I'm just going to go there and party with all my friends. It's not a party. I preached on that recently about what God describes in heaven, what God describes as hell. It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it is eternal. It's where the worm dieth not. Uh, it's like every, it's just, uh, and, and as terrible as that sounds, it's going to be easier and more tolerable for, the, for, for Tyre and Sidon and Sodom than for somebody who, has, who has, God has showed himself to time and time and time and time again. Uh, and uh, the more light you've been given, the more light that you've been exposed to, um, makes you more responsible. And, uh, and so if you're here today and you're not saved, you need to take care of that. But also, if you're here and you're a Christian, um, this, this passage of Scripture uh, ought to motivate you <laughs> Um, to share the gospel with the people that you care for. Especially, especially the ones you've witnessed to before and have said no. Especially for them. Because it's more pressing. It's more pressing for them than, you know, again, um, there'll be people in, you know, remote places of the world that are without excuse, according to the word of God. And, uh, and it's why we've got to send missionaries and why we should go and, and, and all the things that we do we'll talk about uh, in the weeks to come. Um, but the people who say no to God on a regular basis are the ones that I'm more concerned about uh, because they've been exposed to more light. And that's what Jesus, and that's why he, he said, woe, that's why he upbraided them and cursed them. And, uh, and I just don't want that for anybody that I know and care for. Hell's going to be a terrible place. Um, but to think it to be more terrible in ways when we've been exposed to so much truth, scares me to death for people that I know. If you're here today, I hope that's not you. But if it is, trust them as you're safe. Let's all stand.